0: Let, let's let's play uh, the devil's advocate. So when I think, because we're both familiar with the same frameworks, so when I think about my own leadership, like let's say self leadership, right? That would be uh, practices like definitely my gym practice. You know, um, how how I eat, uh, how I sleep. Definitely my meditation training, visualization. Um, training my mind but also my spirit uh, aspects of myself what I'm curious and would love uh, the listeners or the people that watch the video but most of the people will listen to it on a, on one of the uh, podcasting platforms is what are intersubjective practices and if you could highlight some Maybe maybe you could directly prototype them with me, you know. So so what happened? So imagine somebody gets gets interested and says, I never heard anything about intersubjective practices, or I heard a little bit about it, but I never did train, so to say, that faculty, that line of development. What what would that look like? So first, maybe a couple of examples, and then maybe we we, we could live test that.
1: That sounds great. I love that. Um yeah, so. As we mentioned, I think, in our pre-chat, it's a kind of new emerging field. Different people have different understandings and interpretations and approaches. So I'll just share my own take on it. Um, And and maybe I'll start by saying what got me interested initially was being in these uh, group workshop experiences that I mentioned when I was kind of really diving into the whole integral scene. And these moments that would occur every now and then, where one person might be the person who was speaking or sort of the focus of the group's attention. But but as that person was going through their process, you could feel, I could feel, and generally we could all feel, something moving through the group. So even though on one level, it was a particular person's experience, on another level, we were all having a shared experience. And whether that was a kind of healing movement where something felt like it was um, being released or or, um, held in a way that it had never been held or seen before, Or whether it was a more like creative, excited, um, you know, kind of innovative download kind of experience, these collective moments of coherence always felt like the richest parts of those workshops to me. And I just got really curious about what is going on there, how does that happen? Does anybody know how to do that? Not just so it happens you know randomly, but that we can actually go there intentionally together? Things like that. Um, so that was what initially drew my attention. And I think, you know, there's different sort of like how we might think of an individual developing through their own stages of consciousness, let's say. I think there are also stages of we space. That we can experience. Um, uh, A common one would be something like being at a sports game where there is a, a shared emotional journey, you know, where all at the same time we're all feeling elated and ecstatic and exuberant and then 10 minutes later we're all feeling crushed and disappointed and we can't believe it. And being in the collective is a big part of that experience, right? We're not only there to watch the game, we're there to be in the crowd and have that shared experience. Um, so we're always in some type of intersubjective field whenever we're in relationship with other people. But I think what gets really interesting is when we start to put our attention on what that experience is like and how it is that the way we're showing up actually influences that experience. Whether it's the words that we're saying or the way that we're saying them or our body language or the eye contact or the environment that we're in or whatever, all of these things are playing a part in that shared experience. And when we turn our attention to what that experience is like, Sort of like in a personal meditation experience, you know, you bring your awareness to your experience, and suddenly you start to notice all these things about your experience that were always there. You just never noticed them because you weren't paying attention. And as you start to pay more attention, that experience begins to unfold in a very different way. And you start to notice more and more subtle things, and you can start to really work with that experience much more intentionally. Um, So I think it's very similar in in an intersubjective practice, where we all sort of tune in to, like, the space between us is a kind of typical phrase, you know, Um, or the dynamics between us, the energy between us and around us, and then we can start to give language to that, we can start to express what that experience is like and as we begin to articulate that it does something to the field and it changes what the experience is like and then we can all go on this collective journey together where we deepen into that shared space and at some point what becomes possible is that we can actually sort of center our our awareness in the shared space and something starts to come through the group's field that isn't actually coming through any one person in particular. So this idea that the sum is greater than the, or the whole is greater than the sum of the parts, right? Something like that. So every time we come together with a group of people, something is possible that wasn't actually possible before because I was not with that group of people. So how can we tune in to what that possibility might be and then align ourselves to help that possibility actually come into form? And I think that's where it gets really interesting in terms of the systemic change piece because I see these kind of intersubjective practices as being really foundational for creating spaces of coherence where these higher possibilities can start to come through us and then our role is to kind of be the vehicle that can then manifest you know take action on behalf of those higher possibilities and create um you know more regenerative systems that reflect those those higher potentials
0: so let's let's get wild here and dive deep into the rabbit hole so the first time that i met andrew cohen and Tom and Elizabeth Debold was back in 1999. So um, I've been experiencing quite, quite some of these fields. And I also built up like, you know, the integral um, scene, so to say, during my studies for almost seven years uh, in my twenties, uh, which now again, almost 15 years back. And I think I'm still wondering if we are I think there's two components with inside of myself where I'm saying, are we overly mystifying the the we space? And there's also the sense that when people are coming together, that up to a certain level can let go of their ego, persona, story, what they want to have out of the space, A transactional logic then truly in as much as i myself as alistair can become a conduit for something greater than myself to throw flow through me and me just being the vessel or the conduit or the instrument for it then obviously this phenomenon can also happen in the we space my Gut feeling, though, and I think the gross misunderstanding or my critique on the we spaces so far that I've been seeing facilitated is we can't leave the interpersonal out of the intersubjective. So we need to clean the personal relationships. So I saw many circles facilitated that were trying to almost build the coherence in the group field but before that have not dealt with the tensions on an interpersonal uh, level, which then kind of almost sugarcoats uh, the the experience. So this obviously was not, not so much a question, but more myself wrestling with this, I mean, basically the core of our conversation. So there's something to it, so far, nobody that I'm aware of can really repu- reproduce that like properly, right? unless and this would be then then uh, uh, um, a question maybe maybe more more directly into your direction, unless you know the people, you're working in like longer periods of time and they really have a base layer of knowing, how to let's say clean up their own mess before they meet in the space uh, together. So just curious to really, um, yeah, dive deeper into that together.
1: Yeah, thanks for that. I I am aligned with that perspective. That critique. Um, first, I think it's I think it's helpful to think of it the way you were describing that. There's a kind of personal coherence, and there are practices that support that. And the more I can show up in a group space, both coherent, but also with the tools to bring myself back to coherence when I something triggers me or you know whatever happens, right? Which is inevitable sometimes. Uh, that is a critical starting point. And then once we are in that group setting. I, I don't know that it necessarily takes time. There, there's some interesting nuances here that I would be happy to spend time on with you and, and unpack further. But I think like the key thing is like trust and safety and a sense of intimacy and relatedness. And sometimes if you have a group of people who come together under the right conditions and they're you know, solid practitioners in themselves and the facilitation is good and things like that, sometimes you don't need much time to enter into that space of coherence. And if you're in that space of coherence, I think you can go quite quickly to a deeper intersubjective experience together. However, that's. I think that doesn't negate what you're saying, which is that you do need that sense of coherence on the relational level in order to go there. And if there are interpersonal tensions or places where there's dissonance or whatever, and you try to step over those or go around them to get to some quote unquote deeper place, I think you run into challenges for sure. And so I think that is actually one of the key skills of either a group or or a facilitator who's interested in this is to sort of be able to gauge where on the journey the group is and tailor the, the, the practices, the techniques that are being used, the structures, the prompts, the principles, all of that, the agreements to establish coherence at that stage wherever the group is and then through that coherence, the next stage kind of unfolds on its own. And that was one of the things I saw, I experienced in those early group workshops was that nobody was saying, hey, we're gonna do this intersubjective thing right now. It just came from a space of coherence and intimacy and vulnerability and relatedness. And so, that showed me that it was kind of like a natural unfolding that could occur. You don't have to try to make that happen. Um, But I think what does often happen, as you said, is that we try to go there first and we miss some of that more foundational work that is actually what enables it to happen in the first place.
0: So since you put so much emphasis on these uh, intersubjective practices, um, why do you think they are so crucial for us in the times we're in?
1: Yeah, so I think it goes back to your phrase, the planetary civilization. In my view, the opportunity, the, the sort of evolutionary leap that, we're on the threshold of is to cohere as a planetary intelligence that can operate with a level of coherence that was not possible before as far as I know, because we have a globalized society and a technological infrastructure that allows us to communicate instantly across space and time, um, that's amazing. And I think that as we, we um, (laughs) have to be careful with the we's, Um, you know, certain cultural lineages have sort of lost the, connection to earth and the understanding that we're interconnected and interdependent with all life. And that realization is you know, beginning to, uh, we're remembering that. And so I think when you combine that understanding with the technology to potentially really operate as a unit, Um, that's amazing. Uh, the same way that, you know, um, atoms operate as a molecule and molecules operate as a cell and so on and so on up the biological chain of being, um, I think the possibility for a planetary intelligence that both honors the diversity of, Um, not just humanity, but but life, and also honors the, the unity of life. That to me is like the really exciting possibility that intersubjective practice begins to make possible because it gives us the tools and the practices and the techniques to enter into those spaces of shared coherence, even when there are Differences present in the space. So, long term, that's kind of where I see it going. In the midterm, I think it has amazing implications for leadership and organizations and government, where if you could start to have pockets of people who are making decisions on behalf of much larger groups of people really enter into a deep practice of coherence and inviting this kind of higher wisdom to come through and allowing that higher wisdom and that sense of emotional intimacy and, 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 you know, really being in touch with, connected to the system that they're influencing and then making decisions and taking actions from that place, I think you would see some pretty interesting things start to happen. So that's the part of our purpose statement that says, empowering current and future leaders to work skillfully with emergence. It's really that kind of a process where we're first orienting towards a kind of group coherence and a kind of sacred listening that then informs the strategy and the project planning and the task management and all that kind of stuff.